Acts 2, 1 through 8. It says, When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were together in one place. Suddenly a sound like a mighty rushing wind came from heaven, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. There appeared to them tongues as of fire, being distributed and resting on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave the utterance or enabled them to speak. Now dwelling in Jerusalem were Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. When the sound occurred, when the sound occurred, when the sound occurred, the crowd came together and were comforted because each man heard speaking in his own language. They were all amazed and marveled, saying to each other, Are not all of these who are speaking Galileans? Um, how is it that we hear each one in our own native language? Now, skip down to verse 17. And we're going to pick up and keep reading. Acts 2.17. It says, In the last days, this is Peter. He says, In the last days it shall be, says God, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. I want you to get that word, pour out, on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Even on my men servants and my maid servants, I want you to know something. The Bible has been for equal rights for men and women way before the curve. Amen. Amen. And he, he didn't just say men. He said men and women. I will pour out. There's that word again. I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they shall prophesy or they shall declare the wonderful works of God. Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus. I pray that we thank you for your presence that we've already felt here today. God, we thank you for all that you've done. We just give you glory. God, for the next little while, I pray you help us. Let them see you, Lord Jesus. We give you glory and honor and praise. Amen. So, as, as we're reading this, the Bible says that the Spirit of God was poured out on the people. And as the Spirit of God was poured out on the people... It drove them out beyond the four walls of where they were to reach another group of people. And Peter stood up and listen, let me tell you, if you're not from a Pentecostal background, a lot of times people have a negative connotation of Pentecost as some kind of crazy, wild, weird. I've seen it all, been there, done that. But let me tell you something. This is a perfect example of how Pentecost works. All of a sudden, something happened that they did not understand. God began, was not with them anymore, but he was in them now. And they spilled out. And Peter stood up and clearly explained, this was already laid out. Here's how it was laid out in the book of Joel chapter 2. And that's exactly how the Pentecostal church in America today should be ran and will be ran. There will be somebody that explains what happens when people begin to speak in a language that they don't know and glorifying God. And tongues, the Bible says, are for the lost. When people see and feel that power that is poured out. And that as I was praying, and I've been praying for months, I see the state of the church in America. And we've come to a place where it's not about the pouring out of the power of God. It's more about the marketing plan. And it's more about the convenience. And it's more about telling everyone everybody you are completely going to be blessed and that's the blessed christian life and it doesn't resemble or anything like the life of a true believer that has the power and the presence of the living god the same spirit that raised jesus from the dead lives in us it's power if we want i, I love it doug was asking how many people this church holds because he's got a vision that we're going to fill this church up 
You know how it's going to work? It's not going to work by strategies and marketing surveys. It's not going to work by giving people what they want. It's going to work by the power of God working in every believer's life, being poured out the love of God. You don't think the love of God, the Spirit, He sheds abroad the love of God in our heart by what? The Holy Ghost. Yeah. When we go to the workplace filled with the love of God and the concern of God. Because listen, why does God want to pour out His Spirit? Because I'll tell you why. Because as we live this life, we become dry. We begin to try. Listen, I, I believe today. I, I told Papa this morning, as God began to deal with me about this sermon, it wasn't really the way I felt like we needed to go. And I kept coming back to this. And I felt like the Lord told me there's some dry people here today. There's some people that have been trying to live for Christ in their own power. That's why he said, don't grow weary in well-doing. Well, if he tells you not to, that means you can. Church can become a burden to you. Serving God can become hard. All of a sudden, that first love dries up. And all of a sudden, everything you begin to do just is dry. It doesn't have the effect it used to have. And so I just found a couple of references in the Old Testament I want to share. Look at Ezekiel 39, 25 through 29. It says, Therefore, thus saith the Lord God, Now I will restore the fortunes of Jacob and have mercy on the whole house of Israel and will be jealous for my holy name. They shall forget their shame. Does that sound like what we want to do? And their trespasses by which they have trespassed against me and when they lived safely in their land, and no one made them afraid. When I have brought them back from the people and gathered them out of the lands of their enemies, then I shall be sanctified in them in the sight of many nations. Then they shall know that I am the Lord their God, who caused them to be led into captivity among the nations, and then gathered them again to their own land, and have left none of them anymore. Nor will I hide my face from them anymore. Look at this. For I will have poured out my spirit... On the house of Israel. Now, I'm going somewhere with this. Go to Isaiah 44, 1 through 4. It says, Yet now listen, O Jacob, my servant, and Israel whom I've chosen. Thus saith the Lord who made you and formed you from the womb. We heard that today, didn't we? He formed us from the womb. Who will help you. Are you here today and need some help? Do not fear, O Jacob, my servant, and you Jerusalem who I've chosen. For I will what? Pour water on him who is thirsty and floods on the dry ground. And I will pour out my spirit on your descendants and my blessings on your offspring. So I'm reading this and it's Old Testament reference. And you're like, you're in the book of Isaiah. You're in the book of Ezekiel. And what does that have to do with us? It has everything to do with us. It's showing you a format of how God moves and revives his church. Just Israel, we, they are of Israel who are not of Israel. Galatians says, through the blessings of Abraham, through Jesus Christ, we've been engrafted in. And now that prophecy that was about a physical place that will happen is a spiritual prophecy about he brought us out of captivity. How many of you saved today? I got a little worried when we were talking about, singing about heaven today and people weren't getting excited about heaven. That tells me that people's life was more interesting on the earth than there are in the heavenlies. 
And what happens is, is that we get so focused down here, and even though we love God, listen, I'm talking to you today. If you love God, you can become dry in your love for God. You can still love Him, but everything in you just feels dry. And his answer was not to come, and sometimes he did correct. But I want you to see this. When he revived the people, every time he wanted to do a work, it says he poured out his spirit. He poured out the ability for us to change the world. But more than that, he flooded our soul with his power and his presence. You know what everybody in this room needs? For God to pour out again that spirit. He needs his wonderful spirit just to flood your soul. Today's the day. I was going to preach about repentance. And God kept leading me. No, tell the people I want to pour out my spirit on them. Because they know where the spirit of the Lord is, there's a liberty. And when you get that liberty, you already confess your sins. And it begins to come because we, he quoted it. If we're in the light as he is in the light. You're not convicted in the light because he's, I mean, condemned because he said the blood of Jesus is free in you. When you get the presence of God, you begin to remember the first promises. You begin to remember your first love and you begin to confess because the spirit of God will begin to convict you in a loving way. And listen, we need repentance in the church. It's not good enough to tell your friends I have a problem. That's what Judas did. Go read Judas. He repented. He went to the wrong place and threw the money down. And I thought, there's where we are. I got a temper problem, Lord. I got this problem. I know I need to work on it. And we talk to people before we talk to him. Listen, I'm telling you, you need to think about it. When's the last time you just told God, I am sorry for even the things I didn't even know. That I've offended you about. Amen. Amen. The Spirit of God. Listen, I I was going to read the whole thing, but I'm not. Ezekiel 37. Most everybody in this room has grown up in church and they know it's the valley of dry bones, right? I think it's funny that when the army, the, the dry bones begin to come together, there's a lot of noise. Listen to me. Just because it's a lot of noise is not what a pouring out of the Spirit is all about. I'll tell you, I've seen a lot of noise, and then they get in their car, and they talk about everybody and act a certain way. Listen, just because there's a lot of noise doesn't mean that the breath has entered into the form. You can have a form of church. You can be here today and attend every time, but you don't have that living breath, that outpouring of the Holy Spirit in your everyday life, and all it is is noise. I watched a video of a guy with a cell phone and I watched worship happen. You say, what kind of worship? It was thousands of Alabama fans worshiping, singing, we are the champions, our friends on the streets with their hands raised and swaying. And I watched it and I said, this is what God is seeing is in our hearts. They worshiped. I mean, go watch it. I'll send it to you. Thousands of people with their hands lifted singing, we are the champions together. And they look united. So just because you got a shout doesn't mean you got the goods. Because when the Spirit comes, He brings something to your personal life. It's a freshness. 
and, and listen, I want to pick up in Ezekiel. After the, everything's alive in this vast army, and he breathes his Holy Spirit into them, and they become alive. It's funny all the things you said today about he breathed in our nostrils, how it lines up. He breathed our life into us. And that's where I usually stop when I'm preaching Ezekiel 37. And God showed me something. God, put Ezekiel 37 up, Jesse, if you don't mind. This is right after the army's alive and breathing. He says, Then said he unto me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. And I can promise you, you can put America right there. Behold, they say, what do they say? Our bones are dry. And as I begin to study this, I begin to feel how the Holy Spirit feels about us when we say, we don't say it out loud. They didn't say it out loud. You can't live this. It's too hard. God is holy. I can't be holy. And we begin to not even try anymore to get close to him because we think somehow our self-righteousness is going to get us there. I'm telling you, there are some of you today that have said in your heart, I'm not going back to the altar because I've gone before and I've gone before and I'm dry and nothing has changed. And we've groaned and we've said we're dry. He says, behold, and our hope is lost. They had a different hope than us. If you lose sight of heaven today and you've lost sight that this life is temporal and it's a vapor, You've lost your hope. Because your hope is that one day, no matter what happens here, you're going to see him. Listen, I promise you, even as a kid, he talked about being saved early. When I would hear him talk about gate, gold, streets of gold, gates of pearls, that has never meant one thing to me. But what does mean something to me is that we will behold him as he is. What means something to me is that we can touch him now. We can, he's going to serve us. And we're going to take our crowns. I cannot wait. And we're going to throw them at his feet and say, it's always been you and it's always will be you. And we're going to say, worthy is the lamb to receive what? Blessing and glory and honor and power and strength and wisdom. If you've lost that hope, you need the Spirit of God to breathe in you. Yeah. Amen. And he says, we're cut off for our parts. Verse 12. Therefore prophesy. So now the winds come into them, and now they're an army sitting there discouraged. He's like, hey, now declare to them, oh, my people, God loves us. Today he loves you. You're his. I will open your graves and I, man, I'm telling you, if somebody was in the back early this morning, they'd probably thought I was dancing all over that place because I begin to feel that this is a prophecy for us today. And God is saying, hey, listen, your grave that you're in, that grave where your prayer, your prayer life is dead and your Bible reading might be dead and you're, oh man, help me, Jesus. We go there. Well, I just need prayer and Bible reading. Our love for the lost is dead. We've become where we just want to survive. And our love for people is in the grave. We have tried everything we can to restore ourselves. 
but it's always been his spirit. When this church went from 20-something people to what it is today, the word was always not by might nor by power, but by the spirit. Amen? If you're here today and you feel like that you're spiritually dead, part of your life is dead. It's in the grave. Today, he wants to bring you back. He wants to put, it's a promise. Not only am I going to bring you up out of the grave, I'm going to put you back to work. Amen? It's, it's, I, I, we always talk about the moving and the snapping and the army and how great it looks, but we forget to talk about this. Listen, even though the army was there ready to work, they were mentally so discouraged. Amen? They were mentally defeated. We saw ourselves as grasshoppers in our own eyes. They were beat. They, didn't, they weren't seeing God anymore. Listen to me today. I tried to cut this as short as I could because I knew we had a lot of things going on. It doesn't matter about what I'm saying. It matters about the spirit grabbing your heart. Even when you leave here. There ha- Listen, when's the last time you just said, God, I want you to pour out your spirit? I want to read you something that is one of my absolutely favorite books in the world. And I'm going to close with this. Don't come up yet, Ben. You can see how old this book is. This is the history of the Assemblies of God and how it grew. And uh, as I begin to read this, this is the pastor explaining the revival that broke out in his church in South America. Listen to this. He says, "At, at an altar service... A brother who had been many years in the church but was wholly wholly useless as a Christian. Okay. Has everybody fallen asleep in the heat? It's so hot in here. It's like the Sahara. Yeah, I know. Stay with me. The pastor writes, a brother who's been sitting on the pew who is wholly useless as a Christian. I thought, I wonder what the pastor of Evangel would write about people that are sitting on the pew. I thought, well, first of all, it couldn't happen in 2018 because they would just leave and go to another church. You can't tell them they're wholly useless. I mean, there's not even a part of them that's helpful in any way. So this guy comes to an altar call. I'm going somewhere. But I just, when I read that, I thought, I wonder if we took an examination of ourselves. What do we do as a Christian that helps in any way, shape, or form? Or are we wholly useless? Oh, we're just going to sit. I love when you get quiet. I thought, wow. You know the guy had to read this. He arose and asked for prayer. He had scarcely expressed the request when he fell as if knocked down by a blow, whereas formerly he was unable to pray, now the words rushed from his mouth in a torrent which, which he was unable to stem. Afterwards, he said he himself marveled where the words came from, 
from, the day, from that day forward, he became a man of prayer and power. That's what we're talking about. Going from a useless Christian to the Spirit of God coming on you so strong, you can't stand. Listen, I've tried to debate people before. Well, I don't know about all that falling out. I don't know about all that. Well, go back to the Old Testament, and every time the presence of God shows up, they fall down. Because he's holy. It's not something weird that happens. Do people do courtesy drops all the time? I've seen the courtesy drop. You know, they pray for you and you're like, well, everybody in line fell. Boom. I'm not talking about that fake courtesy drop. If you've grown up in church, you know the courtesy drop people. I'm talking about when the real power of God comes on your life and this guy could not pray. Some of you are acting like you living right and you're talking right. And on the inside, you know your prayer life is dead. You know you don't talk to him. You know you don't pray anymore with power and fire. You know when you pray nothing happens because you're dead. And now you have to acknowledge like this guy, come up and say, I need the power of God back in my life so that I'm not just a care. Listen, did it say he did anything else in the church? Did he pick up a Sunday school class? No, it said he became a prayer warrior. He wasn't careless anymore. He spent his Saturday night before the service seeking God with the ministry team for souls. I don't want to be a careless Christian. I would hate for somebody to write a book of the history of my church and refer to me as, hey, this dude, he's wholly careless. He's wholly worthless. He just sits on a pew. I'm going to read just a little bit longer. It says, we shall let Dr. Hoover tell the story of this revival in his own words. He said, The overwhelming flood came on July 4th, 1909, which was Sunday. Saturday night was an all-night prayer. You know why the American church has no idea what the standard was? They don't read stuff like this because they don't want to. Wait a minute, all-night prayer. I mean, I got a life. I know, I'm sure they didn't have one. He was a doctor. I'm sure he didn't have a lot. Sounds like to me they had something. He said four young ladies, three of whom were in the choir, Saturday night, all night prayer, during which four vain <laughs> young ladies. Can you see the American church right now if somebody wrote this about them? Well, he's just a vain person. Listen. Of whom were in the choir. So that tells me you can be doing stuff in the church. And the anointing's not on you. And you're vain and worthless. No, we love people. Don't get me wrong. This guy loved people. It says, they fell to the floor under the power of the Spirit. One of them, after lying a long time, arose with the remarkable power. Began to exhort, saying, the Lord is coming soon. And commands us to get ready. The effects that were produced were indescribable. And that's all I'll read for right now. When the power comes, you go from being a vain, petty person that sits on a pew or does something in church to a prayer warrior or to somebody that always constantly reminds the body he could be coming back today. That's the result. I think if you want to read that, we've made binders with big print if you can't read the little small print because sometimes I'm having to... Read it. To read how the assemblies of God spread by the power of the Holy Spirit. 
we, we, we've come from a place where we used to be on the other side of the tracks. And we don't want to be on the other side of the tracks anymore. We want to fit in with all the big denominations. My problem is, is if you look at the statistics over the last 20 years, all these big denominations that are nominal, they're, they're on a huge decrease. We've got one church in Brazil right now in the Assemblies of God that's going to have more people come worship today than every believer in America to Assembly of God Church. Millions. Why? Because they don't have a marketing plan in Brazil. They have the Holy Spirit. They don't have to sit in a room and pick the minds of men. Oh, so-and-so, so so, he's a strategist of church growth. I see some ignorant fishermen that led the biggest revival that swept the world because they took note that they had been with Jesus. Nothing wrong with our intellects. Nothing wrong with any of that. It is when we start to lean on that instead of the power of the Spirit. Listen, that's the whole purpose today. I want you to ask God to flood your soul and make all of us go to the next level. I don't want to be a vein. I don't want to just sit on a pew. I don't want to just participate in church. These ladies were in the choir, weren't they? I'm sure they had choir practice. Probably back then it was like some of the churches I grew up in. Everybody just came up to the choir, which was always really strange to me. But the power was there. People got saved. Right? Everybody stand with me. I have a good friend. He came and spoke for me a couple of Wednesday nights ago. And the group met him and the group loved him. And he brought a great word. His name's Jason Meadows. I work with him in Alabama Power. And he, one of the guys that got saved under him, is now on staff with T.D. Jakes. And listen, if you like him or don't like him, I don't care about that. Get what I'm about to tell you. And he said, I mean, the... Potter's House Ministry is massive, and T.D. Jakes, he said to the guy they're eating over Christmas, he said, what makes him who he is? And he said, I'll tell you what it is. When that hour sermon that he delivers with all his hearts over and the TV's cameras go off, he works the altar for an hour and a half as hard as he worked that sermon. He wants to see the people filled with the presence of God because he knows that a lot of them have been raised with a mindset that's incorrect. He knows he's dealing with a lot of fatherless people that don't understand. So he, he said, man, listen, like him or don't like him, he's like, he works that altar with the power of God and he spends hours with the people. He's not so elevated that he don't touch the people. And I thought, God, that's what I want here. I don't want anybody to say the worship was good. I don't want them to say the sermons were good. I want them to say, Lord, that when they came to the altar, the power was there. The power to conquer sin. The power to revive our prayer lives. 
There's a lot of people that are looking up to God saying, I don't know what to do next. I'm hurt, God. Everything didn't work like I thought it was going to work. I don't know what's going on. And if you listen to some of these Christians, they'll tell you that if that's going on, you don't even know God. You listen to me. God sent you here today. If you're in that boat, he changed every sermon. This sermon could be for one person that's like, God, I don't understand where I am. And he says, I'm just going to breathe on you. I'm just going to pour my spirit and remind you of how much I loved you. That's all you need to remember is how much I love you. And as the spirit flows in your life, everything you want to do to please God comes. It's an empowerment. You can read Acts 2, and I know some people are like, man, I'm not sure about all that tongues. You look, it's not about the tongues. It's about the endowment of power for service. Listen, I'm not putting down tongues. I pray, I don't know. Our, our quarterback at Alabama, they said, What's, what in the world? How do you have peace coming in as a freshman? He said, I pray in tongues. The secular media, I thought, I bet you those liberals love writing that. He didn't say I prayed. He said, I prayed in the power of the Holy Spirit and he gave me peace. So don't you dare think I'm not, I'm putting down the Holy Spirit. But he didn't come so that we just pray in tongues in our quiet life. He came that we would be endued with his power. But more than his power is love. Maybe you today are a worthless Christian. It's time to get back to work. He loves you. Maybe today you're a broken Christian. Sometimes I heard a song one time that says, I was wondering, can you just hold me now? Maybe sometimes you just need the Lord to wrap his arms around you. And, and he, he loves, when the Spirit comes, He loves to bring the Word to your mind. For I know the thoughts I think towards you, says the Lord. I know how I feel. I'm thinking to bless you and not to kill you. Because listen, in the middle of a storm, the devil's voice is loud. Doesn't he tell you all the sins you have like you don't know them? Well, of course I'm getting hammered right now by all these storms because of my mistakes. Well, sometimes that's true. But what I love about God is if you would mark iniquity, oh God, who could stand? But with you, there is forgiveness of sins. Therefore, you are feared. We reverence you, God, not because your majesty and your great power, which we respect and honor. We reverence and fear you because you don't keep record of our wrong. If we repent, we fear you because you're a God that forgives and puts your spirit on us. Proverbs, he says, turn at my reproof and I will pour out my spirit to you and I will show you my word. Today, church, turn at his reproof. All that means is get back looking up, get him back in your heart and let him pour his spirit on you. you. Say, well, I'm worried. We start having Pentecostal service. I'm worried about the wildfire. I'd rather have a little wildfire with real fire than no fire. There's a reason 1 Corinthians is written so that we all understand how gifts are work. We'll get that. But we've been so scared of all fire, we don't have any fire. You know God really doesn't intend people to come here sick and leave sick. Is the problem God or us? That's what I wonder. 
Today, let him revive you. Let him just breathe. Let him fill you again with his power. Amen.